You're listening to OK Now Listen, a bi-weekly show where we chat about what's on our minds, what we're binging, and what's blowing up our timelines. I'm Scotty Beam, media personality, content creator, music enthusiast, and a wing connoisseur. And I'm Sylvia Obell, culture writer, host, producer, and lover of Beyonce. Sylvia, how are you feeling this week? You know, truth is, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. Right. Yeah. What table to say? <laughs> Options are, are few. few. I'm trying to pray. Where are you? But where are you, that Jesus? Is, that is <laughs> that is where I'm at. <laughs> that is where I'm at. Because I am like. You know, like when I just, you know, it's funny. I just always use songs from that, but like I would listen to Solange this morning. It was like, "You have the right to be mad." I was singing that, but to the tune of "You have the right to be sad." Like I, just, <laughs> I replaced mad oh. with sad Hello. because I think one thing. Like I'm in therapy right now. I've been in therapy. I got back into therapy during the quarantine to survive and all that stuff. But like I. I always compare sometimes uh, therapy to like a like a facial, which is very on brand for me, I'm sure. But like that, like you know, when you first get a chemical peel or something, where it's like it gotta get bad before it gets good. Like everything gotta peel before it's Absolutely. good skin comes out, and so it's like Absolutely. all the all the stuff is coming out your pores, and you're just like ah, it's like you're unearthing all of these feelings, and then you have to deal with them and you have to process them, and like a thing. A thing that's big for me is that, like, I always felt like I had to pretend to be okay. Mm. Like, you know, I didn't want to put the pressure or burden of being sad on my people, mm-hmm. on my friends, on my, my me. And my mom even had this talk because even like, I was like, I'd be avoiding calling my mom when I'm sad because she always wants to like fix it. Right. Like, she always wants to like, and then sometimes it's like there's nothing you can do, and also you're trying to like whatever, just especially, and just let me be sad and it's okay, and like. We've had that. We were having that talk yesterday because it's like I really did grow up feeling like, oh, no, if I'm sad, it's going to make all the people who love me sad. So I'm just going to lie. or I'm going to suppress right. it. But like what I'm learning to do now is like sit in it and just feel it and like cry it out. But girl, when I tell you I hate it here, oh. <laughs> I hate being sad. Cause you know, I'm just a normally I'm just a really like usually a like a, a person. Yeah. person like that's usually who I am. But like I just think that. I think coming out of this quarantine, it's like everybody's reemerging, and I think it's like people are like, do we pick up where we left off? There's a lot of skeleton graveyard people coming out of the closet trying to figure out things about life, trying to bombard you and emotionally vomit on you with the things that they were thinking about during the pandemic. Yeah. And it's like I've been having to like, especially more so in like the boy realm, like let people go or like cut people off because mm-hmm. it's just like. If anything, I learned during the pandemic is how to protect my peace and like also right. how to like, and in therapy, I'm learning how to like my emotionally prioritize myself. Because one thing my therapist said was like, you, do you realize that you emotionally prioritize, you prioritize everybody else's emotional needs over your own when you love them. Like when you mm-hmm. talk to me about your friends or your mm-hmm. family or just that, you're always talking to me about how the other person is feeling, how you can work on that, like how you can operate from that point in. But mm-hmm. how many people do you have in your life that are emotionally prioritizing you? And that shit right. fucked me up. <laughs> fucked me up. And I think um, it's a thing where you sometimes when you come out of something, you're kind of, and you love yourself more and you have a bit more self-worth. It's like, oh, I can no longer operate in this space the way I used to with you. Like, I can't do this dance with you. I can't, like, I can't even tolerate any type of level of toxicity that I might have used to been able to. And... Yeah, but I think I've never really been good at cutting things or people off either because I'm such a loyal person that, like, it's always those two sides of me that are bound, especially if I've loved somebody. 
Right. Like, I love hard. So mm. then it's like you have to kind of, even if you make decisions that are good for you, you kind of have to grieve those decisions right. and those yes, losses anyway. Yes. So I've kind of been there, just trying to grieve that and like just let it happen, but knowing or trying to trust that I made the better decisions for myself. But it's a lot, girl. Well, I celebrate you feeling things that you've tried to suppress in the past. Mm. I celebrate that because feeling things you've possibly felt before, but feel like you've never felt before mm. is tough. And it's new feelings are never easy. You know, I'm not going to say it's, you know, uh, happy feelings, good feelings, whatever it is. It's just not easy feelings because it's never been felt before. And as long as you've been alive, it's very hard to be like, you know, oh, these are new feelings. I feel great. You know, I'm just going to take it as they come. Yeah, you know, take it as they come, but also give yourself the permission to feel it. Like, yes, embrace it, hold it, like make sure that you run it through your body you know, fine tooth comb them. That's totally fine. You know, it's just important to make sure that you just totally embrace them. You know, mm -hmm. don't fight any of them. So I'm, I celebrate you doing that because that's really huge. You know, therapy has been a thing for me for years, upon the years, upon the years. <laughs> Not upon the um, years. Somebody's been back in Brooklyn. Right. So, <laughs> so you know, this time... Therapy has been hitting me in my neck. Mm. And it's very different, I got to say, doing therapy while you're in a relationship. Ooh, talk to me about it. It's just, it's because I'm trying to work out being a better person for myself, but also being a better, being a better person for the future or whom I bring into the future. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And... Sometimes I tend to put that first instead of me first. You know what I'm saying? Like, I put the future people mm. first than, you know, what I need first. Or right, the right, people right. in my lives first. And I want to be better for them than be better for me. Right. And that's what I'm working on. Um, expressing needs is what I'm working on. Even though I'm pretty good at it. I'm good at telling people how the fuck I feel. But I'm not good at resolving those or, or just like finding a solution to it. Usually I leave. So, you know, yeah. working through them is a task. And uh, working through them health, like in a healthy, healthy way, way, yeah, is a task. Because <laughs> even though like it's good to leave things, yes, uh, in healthy leave, healthy leave. I wasn't healthy leaving. I was leaving in fear of trauma, leaving because of trauma, or leaving anticipating. anticipating the trauma. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't healthy, you know? I have to work on that. I have this flight um, way about fight me or, that I, yeah. yeah, where I don't fight. I fight to flight. So, there is the only way. There's, that's that's my way. Flight to fight. Or we, what you were saying earlier, what I was thinking was maybe what you were trying to say too, was like, it's, you express your needs, but sometimes you, it's, by the time you're vocalizing them, it's bottled up. Like expressing them earlier on before like it's like, 
You know, like yeah. initially, like before yeah. it bottles up to the point where it's like, okay, I'm upset because I've been feeling this way for a while. Right. But, but the problem, the problem is with being a sensitive person, a person who's empathetic and also a person yeah. who is very compassionate beyond measure. You don't want to keep being this burden to anybody in telling people your feelings. Right. If you it. say, I get that. Mm-hmm. if you say, I tell you this feeling right now, I got to wait five months to tell you about another feeling because I don't want you to feel like I'm nagging you. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to feel like I have all these feelings. Um, But actually, that's not my problem. No, and your feelings are valid. Right, and that's hard to be like, (laughs) hey, that's not my problem. That's their problem. And why do they keep making you feel this way? What is it? Let's talk through it. I think we're both kind of hinting at um, needing to emotionally prioritize our emotions, ourselves right. over others. Like, I think we right. both, I think that, you know, that's why we're good friends to people in general. And even why we click is because, like, I think, like, in freshmen, fresh friendships like ours, and I have a few others where I feel like because we're both that way, we're good at, like, exchanging it. And so it's mm-hmm. equal. But when you come, but not everybody's an empath like us. Not everybody is super compassionate. And, like, those are the relationships where sometimes it's, like, because you're like, I can, I'm so untuned with what I see when you need and I'm anticipating mm-hmm. your wants and needs mm-hmm. and you're not like, you're not doing that for me. And I have to remember like, not everybody is like me mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. so hard, but it's like, I, but I also think the other observation I made when you were talking, that I think is interesting is like, we both were doing the opposite. Like we both are needing to do opposite things, right? Like you talk about how you're quick to leave and you need to learn how to like stay. And sometimes when in like a healthy way or like leaving a healthy way. And for me, I'm not good at leaving and letting go. Right. And I'm learning. I stay to an unhealthy point in, t- in situations right. and things. And I have to learn how to let things go. Right. So I kind of noticed that we're kind of. Yeah. But we're working just to be healthier. And that's yes. where I'm happy. And Me too. Um, also, you were outside. Yes. I saw I was Sylvia a child. was in the I'm, streets, we y'all. We getting back in these streets, baby. My girl was racking up the motherfucking numbers. <laughs> He was getting them fucking numbers from them LA niggas. But, oh wow! You know, I'm no. just, I'm just calling. I'm not saying who, but I do know that my girl Sylvia was racking the fuck up as she should. Okay, so and if you see it in the streets, walk up to her. Vaccinated. Walk up. Pull up. Vaccinated. Vaccinated. And give her your number. She might call. She might not. Who knows? But try. Shoot. Shot. Shoot. Your shot. <laughs> it shoots your shot so for sure. I mean, it was so nice to be back around. And you know what's so funny is like our friends are so bicoastal at this point that I feel like mm-hmm. we be hanging out with the same people on different weekends. Mm-hmm. But like, shout out to Ayana who listens yes. to the podcast. And I was like, bitch, was I just with you last weekend? What are you doing in here? And I'm literally with her this weekend. <laughs> right. And I was That's like, crazy. what's happening? But um, it's so good to be around people. Me and Scotty have actually been like following the CDC by <laughs> guidelines. So like... Everybody, I think, was shocked. I mean, shocked to see us outside. Like, I literally was getting all kinds of like, Sylvia, is that you? You know, black people are so dramatic. Like, wow, you still live here? You're still in town? (laughs) Somebody asked me, how long are you in town for? Like, they didn't even know I lived in LA and I was ready to, I was like, why are y'all like this? How come people just can't say, hi, I miss you? But no. Right. (laughs) They got to interrogate. But let me tell you something. People are back outside and being social and like trying to readjust to like, A, just get past the social anxiety that is kind of new because you just were used to being so alone, but also self-consciously overthinking like, did I, did I, what I say sounded weird? Am I communicating properly? Like, 
does my is my resting face what it used to be like you know like am i like all of these things because you're just not used to having to be perceived by so many people in one sitting and like yo niggas is in heat like i knew we said it was gonna be a hot girl summer but niggas are in heat like watching people in action outside i'm like it's like it's like 300. You remember that movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Warrior Battlefield. Like, that's how bitches are when it comes to these we niggas outside. Are Sparta. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that was that was interesting for me to see. I saw you outside. Like, how was you went to a couple trip on Utah? Well, I won't call it a couple trip. You went to a birthday trip in Utah yes, that I wasn't I invited to. Oh, I'm gonna put please. that on the record because it she talked about what kind of friend I am. It had nothing to do with me. The thing is, the difference is, it was somebody else's birthday. <laughs> but, it wasn't their birthday. But, but let's plus continue. ones were invited. Now, plus two no, plus were ones, invited. Plus ones were not invited. You can read the invitation. It did not say okay. plus ones were invited. So, like I was saying, <laughs> it was somebody else's birthday, not theirs. Um, <sighs> what I will say is Utah. Utah was great. I had an amazing, amazing time. I just couldn't wait to leave my house. I wanted to do something. I wanted to see different things. The difference is the anxiety of seeing my friends after a year and a half and thinking like, I'm not the same person. And I was burdened by that as I went through the Utah trip because I was like, am I as fun as I used to be? You know, am I as entertaining as I used to be? Would they still love me for this person that I am now? Um, which gives you a sense of like imposter syndrome where you're like, am I supposed mm. to even be here? Cause like, I'm not that person. And I don't even know what person I am, you know? Mm. So I was, I was very, um, that gave me a lot of anxiety. It started to dwindle once I started to hang out more with my friends and, you know, we got back warm to up. it into this, like you know, up. the swing of things. Yeah. So it was better, but, um, I had that feeling this weekend when the past weekend when I was out with my friends and I was like, oh, God, more people are going to see me. Listen, (laughs) there was a block party in Brooklyn, y'all, and I could not. I was going to do it. I was going to go. Are you, uh, you, oh, you ain't go? I did not go because one, it was a lot of people. And I was like, like, you want to tiptoe back into this. Yeah. I'm just just trying to. Put my toe back in the pool, not jump in the deep end. That's <laughs> a lot. Um, I on saw top it on of Instagram, that, it was yeah, it was, packed. it was packed. It was. I was said, outside. "Wow, Brooklyn's back, baby." They Everybody said. was out. <laughs> the next time I will be coming, but I don't know. I just, you know, we've talked about this before, but you know, I've gained weight, so I didn't want people to be like, "Ooh, Deanna done got fat," or "Deanna done got big," or whatever it is. And then, like, I, I just, I was too burdened with the thoughts of other people mm. so i just stayed home which is a problem but um i'm working on it and it was fun though it was fun hanging out with my friends it was fun you know reconnecting and seeing the people whom i love so much and could yes. only speak to through zoom so it was great i i cried of course when i saw my best friend shout out to trisha haven't seen her since last year so it was it was beautiful to see and, and be able to hug people and connect. That was yeah, really just like amazing. Exchange energy in person. Uh, 
be poured into and loved on. It's it's such a mixed bag, and there's a yeah. lot of different emotions to have right now. And we just want y'all to know that you're not alone if you're feeling that yeah. way as you're adjusting back into going yeah. outside. Like we're going through it too. And I think if all of us remember that all of us are feeling that way all the time when we're in the room, maybe it'll be easier for us all to be gentle with each other and feel a bit safer. I'm about to say, give others some grace. You know, give people yeah. some grace. If they're not ready to come out, don't pressure them to come out, y'all. You ain't got to push them to come out. You know, eventually your friend will come outside. They just yeah. need to really, yeah, let them know that they're not alone and that they're welcome to come. Let them know that they're welcome, but like let them do it at their own pace and right. be understanding. Please. Because all of our feelings are valid and we're all just trying to get through. And we kept this conversation about vulnerability going with today's guest, Michelle Buto. Yes. But before we get into the interview, a quick disclaimer. Remote recording is something else, y'all. And remote recording while being a puppy mom and a mom of two babies damn near impossible. Michelle was literally juggling so many hats while taking the time for this interview. And you're going to hear what that sounds like. Hint, it sounds like a lot of puppy barks and baby tears. But we're so, so grateful for Michelle, and we can't wait for y'all to hear this fun conversation. Check it out. Okay, y'all, we're very excited because today on the podcast, we have the Michelle Buteau here with us to chat. Hi, Michelle. Hi, ladies. This is so exciting. I mean, the comedian of the moment. I mean, the actress, the fellow podcaster. I'll take it. I'll take it. A fellow New Jerseyan, too. Is that true? Yes. Are you from Jersey? Yes, we're both from Jersey. Yes, we're both from from Jersey. Come on, Jersey girls. I love it so much. Shout that out. So before we get into things and we start to get, you know, in depth, we want to know, you know, first the check in. We want to know how you're feeling. How's your heart doing, Michelle? You know, we're still in a pandemic. It's still happening. Okay. So uh, you let us know how your heart is. That's such a complicated question because um, so I was just thinking about this this morning because I'm like, why am I so tired? Even when I wake up, I can't wait to go back to bed. And I know I'm working and I'm thankful for my health and my family's health and my kids, but the burnout is real. And it reminded me of, I did IVF for five years, just like, um, just became like a science project, like needles, hormones, still trying to make the funny haha on stage. Um, I looked like me, but I was like a shell of my, per- like a shell of the person that I knew, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, does. And so I was telling my husband this morning, like, sometimes I hang out with comedians who like still jokes or essence and they just look at you and try to like do what you do. And I felt like I was doing that for me. I was like trying to be the old me. And that's what I feel like quarantine is for everybody. Mm-hmm. We're trying to hold on to like who we were, or what we were, or what life was, but we're different. Even though we look the same, we are different. So there's a piece of me not to get into it. Am I gonna cry? Yes. Okay. Get into it. You we cry. cry. You let me tell you something. Every single episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. We try not okay. to, but there's a piece of me that um I don't know where she is. Like I can't explain it. I don't know. I feel like do I is it just a long nap? I don't know what I need, but um I'm just really tired. Like I'm burnt out. Um 
But I'm also like really happy that people have found my shit. Right. That's great. But it's a very confusing time because they're like, you're the funny comedian, right? I'm like, yeah, that's going through some real ass <laughs> shit right now. <laughs> like proper PTSD, like living on an island with um retired cops and like knowing friends that have been drug dealers that come to see me or whatever it is like. That Brianna Taylor shit, like, you can't explain to somebody why you wake up every time you hear a noise. Right. Um, every time I see a red hat, like, my heart jumps, you know? So, and everyone, like, it's so, it, it, I don't know what's more exhausting, like, having everybody realize that racism is fucking real or having to explain to people before COVID <laughs> that racism still exists. So... Especially being light-skinned, everyone's like, why do you care? And it's like, oh my God, that's a whole other level of colorism that I now have to break down to you. And I'm tired of being the Obama at every fucking function. So how am I doing? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Just like the rest of us. Just like all of us. All of us are going through it. You know, it being a complex, you know, word right now. It is a lot. And it's heavy. Uh, We're all going Mm -hmm. through it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think having to embrace this new person is a hard thing to do because you don't know this person. You have to introduce yourself to yourself. You do. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, like, I couldn't imagine anybody coming out of this pandemic the same way they went into it. Um, this past year, the way we went into it, I think that like, especially now that, you know, vaccines are happening and you're stepping back and being a little bit social again, you're kind of realizing like, I am in a completely different place mentally for me, physically even than I was last time I did this and having Mm -hmm. to even adjust to being around people again with this newfound understanding of yourself that you're still trying to figure out. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. Social anxiety is real. You know, the two events that I've been to, COVID friendly, safe, all that stuff. It feels like I got too high. You know what I mean? And I'm like, how do I, I don't know. Am I saying too much? Can They can hear me though. Oh, people can hear me now? Like I can see your face. And so the psychological damage of it all, I don't think anyone was really prepared for. No. And we never think that mental health is important because we don't see it. It's always like bikini body ready or, you know, this TikTok challenge that, you know, like optics. And so I'm just like, take a, take a break. And that's okay. And that's fine. The bad part, I think the only trivial part about everything is thinking that the old you was the best you and that you've mm-hmm. gotten worse. And I don't think that's the key. I don't think that's it at all. You're just different. And so, like, you know, I've been sad and crying because I think that the old me was the best me. You know, I was a thinner girl and, you know, I was, you know, a more social person. I went to Utah recently with some friends, all COVID safe, and I felt mm-hmm. like a robot. <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to people i was like i hope i'm doing this right is this who they're used to is this like i know do they know me as this person and i'm thinking like do they think i'm different am i acting different like i was thinking about all these things which was giving me super anxiety so i think we're all experiencing that 
in the same light, just all different. Well, we appreciate your honesty Truly. and transparency, Michelle, because it's, it's I mean I think a lot of people I think a lot of people just see a lot of people think everybody's okay and think it's just them. Mm-hmm. So I think any opportunity we get to let people know like you are not alone, you are not struggling with this. Even your fave on Netflix is going through, you know? And so it's it's real and it's a thing that's happening. But like to your point about the juxtaposition of being sad and going through all of this and being surrounded by all of like the climate of wokeness and people just realizing this and that while also your career is take you know is doing well and then not knowing like the guilt i mean we are with neck we launched this podcast during the pandemic mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. as it gets passed and as it does well and as we're like you know being more you know a recognize this and that it's also like in the midst of like whatever mental things we're battling so i absolutely get that um, like how that's a confrontational thing and it's like can I really enjoy it do I feel guilty yeah. about enjoying yeah. it all of that but yeah. I also do want to tell like we do want to take some time to celebrate and enjoy your success the booked and busy it's booked and busy and from where a lot of folks are sitting I think that they probably think it looked like we turned on our TVs one day and it's almost overnight you were everywhere but how it looks from the outside is hardly ever the full story. So we wanted to talk mm-hmm. to you a bit about how you got into comedy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like comedy found me. I was not looking to be a comedian. And so um, I went to college uh, at Florida International University and I wanted to be an entertainment reporter. And um, I was in class and we were going around uh, talking about what we wanted to do. And I said um, to the professor when he asked me that I wanted to be an entertainment reporter. And he told me, you know, Michelle, you're just simply too fat to be on TV. I believed him because I also didn't see anyone like me. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just work in production. And so I got into TV production, editing, field producing the local news. It was cool because like I was still around TV and cameras and um, got to produce really basic people that were pretty um, that could tuck their shirts in, um, you know, uh, to be charismatic and stuff. And then I just felt like um, I was selling my soul. I was giving away my shine. Mm. Um, I was still in the edit bay with no windows, having, you know, a dusty, stuffy writer tell me what to do. But I was like, but you should do this. And so. Um, a lot of my coworkers were like, you're so funny though. You should do stand up. Like, okay, if you're not gonna be on TV, you should do stand up. I was like, look, I've been to stand up comedy shows and the comedian seems sad and broke and I'm happy and I like money. <laughs> and so I didn't see myself like at all on stage. And then even when there was like a woman on a show, cause it was always like the one, the way they were treated was like an exotic animal at, um, the zoo they're like all right everyone we gotta switch it up we got a different self-opinion it's just like <laughs> to break you what for the, it what the fuck is all of this? Right. They Guys, really tra- a woman's like, coming to the right. stage everybody exactly. like get ready <laughs> it's just like, she she's a comedian it's like i can tell she has a vagina i'm i'm it's okay so i was like you know oof there was a part of me was just like, just let me get in there and do it. Like, stop it. But I still wasn't like I should do this. And then, um, 2001, 9-11 happened. I was working 
editing like the news and I was like, this is fucking horrible and we all might die and you never know. That's like when that shit really hit me like life is short Mm -hmm. because everyone was just going to work or going about their New York City ass day. And so I was like, I'm just going to try stand up. Why not? And then I fell in love with it and I was like, I never not want to do stand up. Yeah, that, you know, stand up looks very scary. Like I truly getting on the stage and sitting in front of people hoping that they find you funny. Whew, that's 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 a lot. When was the moment that you knew that you were funny like on stage? Um I'm still recording. <laughs> He's got to get away from them puppies. It's like yeah, you guys, they can you bars. just like they have bars. They, they were that they was said a, they were going to be all right now listen to this. I was like, look, I turned I was like, puppies, pack your knives and go. Oh, but yeah, I knew I was I knew I was funny from like the minute I got on this. I was like, this is great. Like I knew I could get better, but I was like, this is great. I want to do this. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, so it's a, I think you touched on a lot of things when you were telling your story that hit me personally. I was waiting, Sylvia. I was like, yeah. I'm an an entertainment reporter. I mean, that's what I was doing prior to like, and I mean, I still consider myself an entertainment journalist in a lot of ways, but. I always wanted to just be a writer because it never crossed my mind to be talent or the host or on air or do broadcast because mm-hmm. I didn't see women who looked like me, you know, mm-hmm, in, in all mm-hmm. senses, not even just because I was thick or whatever, but also black and like just, you know, not like a, I just felt like all the people who were like on here anchors were people who wanted to be actors, but couldn't. So then they just did this instead because mm-hmm. they wanted to be on TV, but they just, you know, mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm, so I just mm-hmm, never mm-hmm. felt like, so I just always was writing and it really took working at a job where like they constantly make you do videos for me to realize that like, oh wait, I'm funny on camera. Like I can do this or like, and people mm-hmm. pushing me, but I never wanted to do it. So like, I absolutely get the idea of like making being made to feel like that's not something that's good for you or this or that. But I wanted to ask, especially when you were talking about like even just I think even your ability to overcome it. I think 9-11 was such like a a vital moment where people were realizing like, oh, like it's not just this regular simple life like we're thinking. Like it's not guaranteed that all this happens. Mortality is real and a huge tragedy can come and shake you out of it so I wanted to ask like especially because you said that you know your friends were the ones who told you you were funny and that you should do this like how did support look like for you when you were starting out in your comedy career like and even just taking the journey from being made to feel like you shouldn't be on stage whether it was the person introducing you or you know the professor in the back of your mind who told you that you were too big or this or that to being like you know what I guess yeah. So what was the support like that helped you on the sides of that? Did you have a good tribe with you, like you know, or anything like that that really helped you make that jump? Yeah, I mean that's such a good question. That's such an important question too because I don't think people realize that um, you are going to have a whole different family. You can have a a day job but do stand up and not even realize that these people are also a part of your village people from all walks of life that you would never have like anything else in common with besides trying to work that joke out on stage and so stand up sort of reminded me of high school where I went to three different high schools and so I always had a foot in each door and you know so like stand up I would um do the comedy clubs and the little alt rooms the bar rooms um, the back, the, I would go to like the Puerto Rican places in the Bronx in the back of like the restaurant. 
um, the gay rooms. And so I was like, this is so beautiful that we're all just out here trying to do this for no damn money. And um, now 20 years in, you know, much like high school and college, you have friends that stop doing it that are happy for you. You have friends that stop doing it that are not happy for you. Mm. You have friends that are good people that didn't even realize that they would even have a jealous bone or insecure bone in their body. And so Mm -hmm. that has also been like, you know, stand-up has been so therapeutic in so many ways to like not only have me speak up for myself um, without apologizing, Mm. um, but just to know that I am worthy, my voice is worthy, um, that my... um, if it matters to me, then it might matter to other people too. And that's okay. I don't have to like sell myself yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Like I always say, and that, and this is, this is a little mantra I would tell myself when I would go into the rooms to audition in LA. And when you're an up and coming, whatever you go into these rooms and you know that it could change your life, not just like fame or whatever, IMDB star Raider meeting or whatever the bullshit, but like, just money, just the stability, uh, yes. insurance, stuff yes. that we should have that somehow is a luxury in this country. And so I would always tell myself, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Mm. I am enough. And so I always tell people, you are enough. You are always enough. Like this is meant to be a journey. So just enjoy it, the highs and the lows. And if it feels like people aren't calling, then just take that time to be quiet and work on something else for yourself. So um, I could just keep going. And I feel like I've already forgotten your question, but like... No, you asked with some gems, but you, you were talking about the support and the tribe <laughs> and the friends. But like, yes. honestly, you, you... And it changes. Yeah, it changes. You're right. It, it, as, as you climb, it does change. And that comes with yeah. its own set of... You love and heartbreak and, you know, all of that stuff. But I do think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about realizing that your voice matters and that your jokes matter and your perspective matters. Because I do think, like, even when we see comedy now and how it's evolved, I used to, th- you know, it, I used to watch comedy stand-ups and laugh, you know, because it was funny, but it never was like, I know exactly what this person is talking about because it's usually, like, a man. And he's not going to make a <laughs> mm-hmm. joke that, like, relates to my yeah. life or yeah. you know or something that like especially when you talk about black women like us being allowed to be raunchy is such a mm-hmm. still like such a new thing we have to overclimb so many like respectability politics that like just even jokes that like Richard Pryor and Eddie and them were making in the early 90s women are just getting to start to make certain you know raunchy jokes like that and it's really been wild to see but I think that's why it's so important that you talk about it it's insane the patriarchal standard is infused in everything and don't think that you um are feeling um paranoid or like or that's just the way it's always going to be because you do you create your own path i feel like when people really and this is the thing too when people like really understand their worth and don't have to apologize Mm. for it that's when shit really Mm. pops like in any part of your life. And when people can't understand that you find yourself worthy and they just see like bravado or confidence, thank you so much. Bye, you basic <laughs> bitch. I'm not going to be bald and worried <laughs> for you. Again. I'm going to be over here, you know, disco spinning in the corner of my house. Exactly. Literally for Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> disco spinning in the corner of her house. Absolutely. At all times. Not giving one fuck. But you mentioned starting comedy right around 9-11. On this show, we constantly talk about joy being an act of resistance. And Yeah, I see yeah. the sign. Oh, yeah. That's me. 
Because <laughs> um, that's what we decided to do. But why has it been important in your career to choose joy? You know, even in moments where that seems like mm. that's the last thing a person could do. Yeah. I mean, um, working on First Wives Club with Jill Scott and Ryan Michelle Bebe, that was that just I love been a that trip. Show, by the way, I mean, oh, dope. <laughs> it's dope. Season two is wild. I can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's wild. Um, but um, Ryan always says on set, like, if you're not laughing, you're crying. If you're not crying, you're laughing. So what's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons in 2020 <laughs> that um, we sh- we we were crying. Mm-hmm. And even when, like, my Netflix special dropped and then my book dropped, I was just like, this isn't a good time. Mm-hmm. This feels weird. This feels mm-hmm. wild. It feels boastful. It doesn't feel right. And um, my friends, who are amazing... All said the same thing. Joy is a is a form of resistance. So you have to you have to share it. Like you worked hard on right. it. Just just you know do it. And so I'm glad I did. I'm glad that people were like I joy watched it because I needed something else to do. That's great emotionally um, as an artist to be in competition with one of the worst years and most important elections. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's, I, there's, I'm still working it out. I don't even know how to yeah. describe it. Yeah. No. You did. I mean, you, you, you hit a lot on the head there. And I think we've interviewed a lot of black women over the last year, and I do think the common denominator is that we're all feeling guilty in some way about the success. And I do think that black women, more than any other group, experience that type of survivor's guilt or like when is remorse or like that because we're always the caretakers we're always Mm -hmm. the nurturers we're used to putting ourselves second or third and not realizing that like we need to see each other win in times like this especially you know what i mean like it's we're seeing some like like you mentioned we're literally watching ourselves get brutalized and killed we need some type of you know, like to see that that's not all that there is out there for us, that there is, you know what I mean? And I think that we yeah. do get that in moments, whether it's, you know, Beyonce and Meg Thee Stallion dropping the Savage remix and we're all locked in the house, or, <laughs> you know, Zendaya right. winning her Emmy, or you, you know, seeing, watching you thrive and, you know, get your book and your stand up and, you know, killing it on the circle and all of those things. Like we need to see that. So we can't feel guilty. I mean, we we do feel guilty, but it's unnecessary. I think it's, you know, a shame that we can't just fully not because it's important sometimes, too, to see it. And releasing joy into the world is a selfless act as well, because you are giving to others. You're giving joy to others. Mm. You have allowed somebody in their home who was crying probably all day to enjoy an hour or a few hours of joy. Of, of laughter, of ease. And that's the biggest reward is inspiring somebody else to feel joyous. You know, I think that's the true reward with the work that you do, with the work that we do, is passing along happiness, passing along the joy. You know, we all feel pain. I don't think we need to pass pain. We're, you know, we, mm. we, we all feel it. But what we can do is give joy to the next person. 
because a lot of the times we don't know where to find it. And if it's in our face, that is the biggest, that's, that's what we need. So yeah, I think, I think yeah. what you do, honey, is, uh, you know, a selfless act and an act that we all do need. It is. Why did I put makeup on if you're going to make me <laughs> No, cry? I'm not. I'm not yeah. sure true. No, because you need to hear that. And we see that you need to hear. And you need to hear that. And we can tell that you need to hear that because it's we, we we do it to ourselves. I think it's the, like black women can look at each other and be like, you know, I exactly know what you're feeling and where you're at because we're all like, it's a specific thing. But like, we need to know that it's selfless and that it's okay and that it's not something that you should be beating yourself up about because like even like you say in your stand-up special when you end the message of with sincerity and kindness you know I think it's it's important for us to figure out a way to take care of ourselves and hold a space of kindness for For ourselves even when we don't even when we don't feel like it you know and I think that that's what we try to do with this space and anybody who enters into it but also it's always harder to do it for yourself than it is for other people. Like even everything we're telling you right now, we need to hear it too. And yeah. we're probably not going to, you know, but it's like holding, you know, holding space for kindness is hard. Yeah. More so when it's yourself. And that you find joy too, Michelle, that you are finding joy, just like you are releasing it and giving it out to the world, that you are grabbing joy where you find it too. And it don't have to look like everybody yeah. else's damn joy. Your joy can be for you and, and what that is, for you solely, personally. But yes, like Sylvia said, like taking care of yourself includes you being selfish with yourself. Because you do mm-hmm. selfless work. You have to be selfish with yourself and make sure that you're the priority. And I hope you know that. I hope you just talked about breaks. I hope you're giving yourself a break. Look, they say, what's that saying? If you want something done, give it to a busy person. Mm. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm take I'm taking time for me. We just adopted these puppies, and I'm like, why? And I don't know why yet. It's the best and or worst thing, but because because there's now like so like not like uh, so much to do. It's easier for me to be like puppies, kids. Now I'm gonna go here and do this. So it's somehow. And I don't know if I thrive in chaos or so. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, but no more. First of all, can you please share your dog's names with the people? Because it's, it, it, it needs to be done. <laughs> please, tell, please tell the people your dog's names. Um, I adopted um, a boy and a girl, um, mixed black lab, and I named them Bobby and Whitney. Oh, I love black labs. <laughs> Bobby and Whitney, because you really did introduce chaos into your life. <laughs> look, look, look. Oh. I think I think Bobby and Whitney do have um, a beautiful love story. To be honest, because love stories are not always going to look like a Disney cartoon. Okay, thank you. And you so. know, it's a very Jersey love story as well. Our Jersey queen, Whitney Houston, <laughs> Shout out. from the from Newark to Elizabeth, New Jersey, Shout out to Newark, baby. Shout out to Newark. Whitney is all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I but no, I I think it's I think also the thing about when you introduce all these elements into your life, it makes it easier to not 
focus on yourself. It's like if I'm too busy taking care of these dogs, my kids, my husband, my friends, I can just avoid the fact that. Yes. And it's so weird that it's actually making me focus on myself. Oh, I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, y'all are fed. I'm going to go take a 45 minute shower. (laughs) So, yes. It's so crazy. Again, what's also really nice about it too, it's like because it's still the pandemic and we are isolated with the two kids it's nice that the puppies and the kids can play mm. and so i can go away to use the bathroom and people don't feel like i'm <laughs> abandoning them i'm just like it's just the bath. i had to take a shit the other day with my daughter on my lap i'm like can i just oh, and no. she just like wanted to know everything i had to talk to her like yes this is what people don't I'm tell ready. you they, they don't I'm put ready. this stuff on instagram you they can't don't. they take That's it down the you can they take it down they yes. take it down they would take it down actually i think it's illegal but still but still you know what i mean it's uh, like it's just not all pinterest little toddler meals and stuff so it's just like crazy but yeah but you know speaking of things that got us through the pandemic and just you know all of and, and isolation all I'm seeing here, <laughs> a lot of us got through the pandemic was with Netflix's The Circle. I think for me, it was one of the, especially the first season, at the top of lockdown, it was like one of the first new things to drop. And it kind of felt like I was being trolled because I'm like, here I am, unable to leave my room also, but there is no cash oh, prize at man. the end of it for me. But you know, whatever else. There might be. We don't know. We don't know. Don't know. <laughs> there might be. <laughs> but can you talk to us about what it was like working on that show? And especially, you know, it, it, it did very much mirror the pandemic, probably unintentionally, too. So, like. For sure. <laughs> the first season, you know, the, producer, the producers were like, we have this wild, wacky idea. People are stuck <laughs> in an apartment. I'm like, what? Right. People are stuck in an apartment? <laughs> and they can only communicate from this what and then um season it was like a wild wacky idea season one i feel like you could see how people were like oh i'm I'm by myself i'm alone oh i don't know these people but by season two people had already studied season one so they came in with strategy Mm. um and um they were just like yeah yeah pandemic yeah yeah yeah, a quarantine anyways like people were just like on top of it and with it and um I, I think it's just like a really beautifully done show. Like if you're going to go social media competition, most popular, all these words that are just like triggering catfish, but <laughs> you know, turn it, turn it on its side and make it fun. But it's also smart because you do have to be smart about social media. You can't live without it. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. And you know, what you say says a lot about you. Your, your profile picture can say a lot of things about you too. Um, also like what we were saying before, kindness. Oh no, the kids are home. Do you hear it? No, no not yet. Okay, good. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like every mother listening to this interview was like, I know that feeling. Oh no, the kids are oh, home. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, thank God New York like has legalized edibles is all I'll say. Um, Cause when they kick in, I don't mind coloring. <laughs> Poop diapers. It's fun. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, kindness. Yeah. You know, I think <laughs> what's great is what's great about the circle is that people on social media, regular social media comment after comment Every time someone posts stand up, oh, she's fat. Oh, she's not funny. Oh, a woman. Oh, whatever, 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 whatever. But with 
the circle, it's like, oh, they all have to meet at some point Mm -hmm. face to face. So all the things they have been saying anonymously or to each other's faces, they have to take ownership for that. And no one is taking ownership for this shit in real life. (laughs) So it's it's just like, you guys, we are still people. We are people. I'm someone's daughter. Could you just (laughs) not? Right. And I love the part where you I love the part that when you vote them off, you don't know who about to roll up to your room. Because yes, exactly. and everyone was just looking at the door. Keep it like, cute. Cause at the end of this, I might choose your room hello? to roll up into. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how Terralisha didn't pop up. Pop up on somebody's room. Cause I would have been Ooh. like somebody's hands and feet gonna have to be involved. But <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had so much fun watching the circle. Oh good. I want to ask about though because I mean uh-huh, this is a Netflix podcast we wanted to ask talk about your blossoming relationship that you've got going on with Netflix and ask you like what have you enjoyed most about working with all of these different shows and movies like the fact that you're able to do a stand up and then a movie and then also like host the circle like how has that journey been and are there any new projects you could share it's been dope like look it has been dope the the reach is crazy you know, like it, um, when you do something for Netflix, it feels like you are, um, sort of texting the rest of the universe, the rest of the world and being like, Hey, you up? I did this cool thing. <laughs> like also, um, what's been great about doing Netflix projects is that everything seems so mindful, you know, whether it is messaging or diversity, um, always be my maybe the circle tales of the city. Um, even someone great, you know, a female written, directed, led, um, coming of age movie. Um, yeah, I can't, I really can't. I, I know it sounds cliche, but I really can't say enough. It's been great. It really has been great. And it also feels validating really that, um, you know, like you made a good decision that your opinions are worthy like that. Every director I've met on any Netflix project, they're like, we'll do one script and then I love what you do. You just do what you do. And it's just like, thank you so much. You know what I mean? When you can't fit in the box. Yeah. Cause it's not yes. your size. Yes. And they just let you do it. Amazing. It's my favorite. Love it. In your book, you talk about spending a lot of time waiting for your prime, like to be in your prime. This yes. moment sort of feels like that for you to us do you feel like you're in your prime right now no no Mm. no i don't know what my prime is i always say my prime is that i have pep in my step and breath in my body Mm. um because you know the way life goes it things are working out here but you got to work on this other chapter in your life yeah and plus there's still so much to do like not done i feel like i'm just starting Mm. I love you that. Know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What advice would you have for folks who feel like they've been waiting too long to reach their moment? Oh my God. How long is too long? Keep going. And also, if you're doing something, like maybe it's the people you're hanging out with, maybe just try something new. Like, change it up. And it's never too late. You know? Never too late. At all. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for sitting with us, talking to us, crying with us. Yes. That was crazy. I really need it. Thank yes, you so much. Yes. Mothering your children with us. The tour of your home yes. was also lovely. <laughs> we I got just, it I all. just feel like we're friends now. We I mean, honestly, we, got we, it we really all. had a day in the life with you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so a while back, 
Y'all might have noticed the SVLIG posting a story about sending us some questions, and y'all damn sure showed up in that inbox. So today, we're going to pick a couple of the questions to answer. If you don't hear your question, though, don't worry, because we'll be addressing more questions throughout the season. But for today, we're going to start with these two. So go ahead, Scotty. Read um, the first question. Okay. Let's see. Let's check. Sift through. All right. Any advice for dealing with poor communicators? Is I'm just a bad texter a good excuse? So, <clears throat> as somebody who's been labeled a bad texter for a long time and has embraced it, has embraced it, <laughs> um, I did tell this to my therapist who looked at me like I was crazy. So, first of all, texting. Let's just talk about texting. Texting is a method of communicating. It is not the end all be all. It's not a way to speak to people literally. It is just texting. It's a method, right? So let's just say you guys equate texting to good communicating. If I text you back all the time, I'm a good communicator, which is not true. I can be able to communicate with you through phone, uh, literally talking on the phone, FaceTime, whatever it is, and not require you to text me back because I understand that people are just not good at texting. I am one of those people. I have to set an alarm on my phone to alert me, to tell me to text people back because oh. it's such a big thing with me not being good at texting, right? But... Let me make this motherfucking clear. Okay, <laughs> the poor communicator is the person who has a problem with it and won't speak up about it. That's the poor communicator. Mm. The communicator who is texting and won't tell the person that, hey, you're not responding back to my text messages and it makes me feel a way. Instead of label them a bad, labeling them a bad texter and making them feel bad, why don't, you, why don't you just tell them how you the fuck you feel? That's what I don't understand. I can be a good texter all day and text you with I'm fines, I'm fines, that doesn't necessarily label me a good communicator and it's not. So I don't want you guys to keep like equating good text backs, like being able to text somebody back as good Quickly. communication. Yeah. It is not. And because on top of that, if I'm able to call you and I call you all the time, like I get my friends, I love y'all so much, Sylvia, you included, who you know, text me and whatever. But if you know, and I've expressed to you, this is the kind of person that I am and I am very bad at texting, but I will call you, I will FaceTime you, I will check in on you through other methods of communication, then texting should not be the motherfucking problem. And you should probably be texting me. If let's just, this is a friend thing, this is a friend question. You should possibly be asking your friend, is there a problem? What is going on? Not a problem, yeah. but is there? Are, are you, you okay? okay? What's happening? My friends don't. Okay, I love my friends very much, but my friends don't. They think that I think I'm just a bad texter. They don't know that I suffer with certain anxieties. They don't know certain things like that because they don't ask. And 
that is a problem when labeling somebody a bad texter. Y'all don't ask them how they're doing. You don't ask them, why is it that you take time? You just label them a bad texter and y'all laugh about it. But y'all don't know if I'm suffering from ADHD. Y'all don't know what I'm suffering from because y'all don't ask. It's too much. It's a lot. You need to be that communicator if it bothers you. And I understand, like, it will bother anybody if they're not getting back to you in time. But you need to understand, one, <laughs> you being you thinking that they have to, they're obligated to text you back all the time, in time, quickly. Why? Why is that something? That's something that you have to deal with, not them. So I would say, like, hey, let's just, you know, Maybe try talking to them and telling them how it makes you feel. And then ask them, how does texting make them feel? Try to communicate, maybe on a different method, calling, FaceTime, whatever it is. And if that's the case, and if they if they are good texters and then ended up being bad texters later on, you already know what time it is. Maybe, un- unfortunately, they could be dealing with something, one thing, or they're just not interested, another thing. But I just really think it's like... It's, 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 y'all don't give no grace to nobody who is bad at texting. And I don't require, again, these are people who don't require others to text them back immediately because I fucking don't. I never do. None of my friends can say that I do. I understand that it's just a lot. They got a lot going on. They got lives going on. I get that. But stop trying to make me feel bad for taking time with things. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the speaking of it. Like, why do you Jesus feel enti- entitled is the word into somebody? Entitled. Like, why do you feel entitled to somebody's time in that way? Or so yes. more so the so the way to put that in advice is like try to feel less entitled to people's time and urgency and schedule. Everybody's living their lives, and I think it's about taking things less personally. Like for me, I think with. Whenever I have a friend who's not like a, a prompt texter or even like Scott used herself as an example, like when I saw that, like, like it was like a when I, I think like sometimes people can learn things from observing when I realized like, oh, it's not that it's just like me. It's like that she just doesn't. She, that's just how she texts. Cool. I'm never going to take it personally. I'm going to just await. Like, I don't, like, if I text Scotty and, like, we talk again, like, next time on Zoom or FaceTime, I don't, like, guilt trip her every single time we talk again. Like, oh, da 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 It's like, no, because it's not, it's not pointful because she is good on FaceTime or she is good in this way. So, like, find the ways that those friends are good at communicating and try that. Like, that's another piece of advice, too. Like, the person is a poor communicator via texting. Have you tried scheduling a call with them or a FaceTime, like Scotty said, or also like expressing your if, if and if it is something that's like I'm having a breakdown and I need my friend right now. If you have somebody who you know does not text back quickly, put that context in the text so that they know right. that like, oh, this is like an um, this is just an emergency situation in this one moment kind of a thing. It's so many different ways. Yeah. So many. So please. Stop it. Stop. Okay. The next question is, got back together with my boyfriend who had commitment issues. Do I trust it? Well, well, well. (laughs) I think the key, the key, the key here is if it's had or has, right? Like you put had, but that's, that's past tense. But 
the whole point of being in a relationship is it's, it is a commitment. So to have a commit to have commitment issues really just speaks to the core of being in a relationship and you have to know that you're essentially trying to make somebody do something that they have a problem with. So I think what really I think whether you trust it or not depends more so on did your boyfriend seemingly do the work within himself to be better at commitment? Not for you, because I'm a big believer also in don't change for me. If you change for somebody else, that's much more You're temporary gonna resent me forever. than if you change for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh, I don't like this. Like, I can't live like this. Oh, I can't whatever, whatever. I don't like to lie because I don't like I-, I care about my character or I don't like to cheat because I don't like the way it makes me feel. Not because I love this person so much. And I'm going to try not to do something that feels natural to me. Those are like two very different things. Right. So it really depends on if he did, has done the work to be better at commitment. And if you've seen that. Right. Like because if you're just going off of like a. Say he had commitment issues and that's why you guys broke up. And he was like, baby, baby, please take me back. And you're like, okay, do I trust it? It's like, well, it depends on what happened in between. Because patterns are a real thing. And, you know, like my my good sis, Auntie Maya Angelou, said, when somebody shows you who they are. Believe. Believe them. them. Please. But my other thing is, sis. And I think a lot of women have to learn this too, is like when you take somebody back or if you choose to forgive something, don't do that shit unless you're going to do that shit. Like Jeez. if you said you're going to forgive him, that means you got to let it let come out with a fresh clean plate. If you say, I'm going to take you back and trust it, you got to know that you're going to do that. So you questioning if you trust it or not also kind of speaks to where your intuition or what your gut is telling you or even the fact that you're asking us the question leads me to believe that there's some part of you inside that knows that maybe there's a reason why you shouldn't trust this but I say if you want to clearly you love this man or else you wouldn't be in this situation so like if that's the case and you do want to give it another try give it a real another try don't you know hold on and bring up old shit and do that and that and that because that's not going to be healthy for you guys either And like Mm -hmm. the final thing I'll say about trust issues in general or just trusting in general is that sometimes I think we have such high stakes for like the fear of what we tell our anxiety feeds the fear of trust. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what I like to do is like think of the worst case scenario. What is the worst case scenario? We break up again and I'm single. Like that's fine. You will live. You will survive. You will be okay. So. If you want to give it another try and see if he messes up or not, if he messes up, sis, it'll be okay. And you'll be okay. So, like, also, it's, it's, a, it's a relationship. It's not a marriage. You're not, like, having kids. So, like, give yourself some, like, you know, talk yourself through, like, what the big fear really is there. I get not wanting to be embarrassed or look embarrassed and all of that stuff, too. So, like, maybe keep it close to the chest. <laughs> In the beginning, you don't post this nigga on Instagram if you're still concerned if he got commitment issues I'm about to or say, not. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to I'm not cause be. Scott, I'm, cause Scott, go ahead, Scott, because that, that's the end of what I have to say about this. But do you have anything to add? I, no, I retweet um, everything Sylvia says. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the good sis struggles with. We, I mean, we all got our trust stuff. We all right. got our trust stuff because it's hard to give somebody it's, else all of you like that and trust them with it. Especially when right. so many people have, especially when in this scenario, that specific person 
broke your trust before. Trust is a hard thing to rebuild. Right. And what Sylvia said, like the work has to be seen. I I would love to, you know, for you to expound more on what you've seen him do in order for you actually to gain his trust back. So I'm interested to see that. But I do want to tell you, intuition (laughs) is a thing. It is, girl. It is. If you feel like it's the wrong thing to do, you shouldn't be doing it. If it feels, and I mean, take time for yourself. Don't, you know, your insecurities, you need to silence those. You got to silence a lot in your mind in order to really think if this is the right thing you you are supposed to be doing. Because, yes, it's a boyfriend, but it is time spent. Yes, it is and time spent. And time spent is valuable. precious. It's valuable. Okay? So yeah. I would say just make sure that you feel right about it. You feel right about it. You know in your heart, not everything, (laughs) not your mind, not anything else, your heart, that this is what you want. This is what you want to do. Not because you feel bad for him, not because he's begging you back, not because he's putting in the work to get you back. No. He needs to make sure that he is doing all of this work for himself and his future. And if that includes you, that's your say. But... It really has a lot to do with your intuition. If you know, you know, if you want to be back with this person. If you don't know, you can also say, I don't know, nigga. I don't know. Yeah, I don't you're know allowed right to now. not know. And you're allowed to take time to figure that out. Absolutely. That's so Please important. take your time. Yes, take your time with figuring it out. Who knows? You might find your next nigga in your I don't know face. But that's beyond the point. <laughs> you know what? That what is I'm un- saying. That's like an that's unhealthy a- left. <laughs> don't let what you were saying. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But just if, and if you worry, I think I know that some people are worried sometimes if they take too long that they'll lose the person. But also, if the person is not willing, if the person broke your trust and is not willing to be patient with you, goodbye. That's a that's a clue right there. Like the one white woman that we will quote on this show only, Meredith Gray said to Derek, oh, "What she say? You are not allowed to judge how I fix what you broke." Okay. Wow. That I think about that every time somebody tries to make me feel guilty about something that they did. Don't you ever. And don't your you're life. not allowed to you your job if you want to still be a part of my life is that you broke it. And now Hello? I gotta fix it. Hello? So whatever I gotta do for that process, if you wanna stick around, you best right. be nice, be patient, and do what I ask. Right. Because if you are gonna stick around too, just just the last one, just the last part. <laughs> I don't want you resenting yourself. Fuck him. I don't want you resenting yourself for making the decision to do it. Because I know a lot of times, even myself, I've done that before where I resented myself for giving him another chance. You have to know with yourself, I want you to be able to feel comfortable with saying, hey, I gave that man a chance and it didn't work. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Give yourself that grace. That's so big. Yes. Yes. So it didn't work. And and that's something. Listen, we all go through this. this. Well, my right. we've all done it. I will we've scream all like, it. right. So you just have to be sure to be like, hey, if this doesn't work out again, am I okay with that? Yeah. And what am I? What am I doing this for? Yeah. And that might make it easier for you to leave because sometimes you always have that what if question in your mind, so you have to go through it again so that you can know for sure. Like, all right, I gotta leave that alone. That's what life is. So you know, that's what. what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. That's what exactly. life is. But so. you know, just again prioritize yourself 
Prioritize yourself and everything that you do. Every move that you make, you put yourself first. Your emotional first, your mental first, your spiritual first, and your physical first. Everything needs to go first. Yeah. All right. That was amazing. That was great. Thanks for sending yes. in these questions, guys. And feel free to continue to reach out with your questions. Um, I'm sure SBL and me and Sylvia will continue to post, like, you know, ask any question. Uh, what are those? Let like little filters on the Insta the stories. Widgets. Yeah. Yeah, those widgets. So we'll definitely do more of those. Okay. But this was great. Your questions are great. If it sounds like I'm yelling at you, it's not. It's out of she love. Is. It's out of love. It's out of love. And it's also because of some shit that I went through. You you, tri- you triggered something, sis. So I'm going to have to, you know, it's, it's something, but it's through love. Okay? Please, Lord Jesus. I'm give crying at Some grace. And if okay? it sounds like I'm yelling at you, it's because I am. I but am. It's but love. it's out of love. It's yelling out of love. You know, stuff that your moms did. Okay? Just All take right. that. That was we great. Love y'all. All right, guys, that's our show. Our show is a production of Pineapple Street Studios in partnership with Netflix and Strong Black Lead. Shout out to our team. Our managing producer is Aganesh Ashagre, and our lead producer is Jess Jupiter. Our music is by Amanda Jones. Special thanks to Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Make sure you share your thoughts with us on the episode using the hashtag OKNowListen. Follow Strong Black Lead on the socials at Strong Black Lead. And follow us too. I'm at Sylvia Obell. And I'm at Scotty Beam. Until next time, folks, stay blessed. Bye, I always guys. be pausing now because she, she traumatized me. I had me. something. And but